Welcome to The Recovery Lab, sponsored by Elevation Medical. I'm your host, Joe Lemon, and today's guest is with Dr. Moravati. He's a sports chiropractor based out of Glendale, California, owner of Moravati Wellness and Sports Injury Center. And you know what? We had a great time just kind of catching up and talking about just how, how this whole COVID situation has impacted the whole healthcare system, especially those private practice owners. And we really get into the weeds a little bit about how things are going to evolve in the future, and we even get him to open up about some of his secret sauce and some of his special techniques that he uses with uh, different modalities and treatment protocols to help people get over soft tissue injuries. So with that said, I know you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Moravati. I'm really excited to have my good friend here, Dr. Moravati. We're both in the same area. I'm in Pasadena. He's in Glendale. So we're neighbors in that aspect. And uh, man, I'm really glad to have you on the podcast. You've been working with us now for at least, well, prior to me even being with the company, uh, I've been with the company about four and a half years and you've been using the pies away for how long now, doc? Exactly that long. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so you must've bought it right whenever I was coming on board then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for carving out time and just taking moments for us to kind of talk. My pleasure. My pleasure. And you know, um, I would love the audience just to kind of get to know you a little bit first. Uh, so how'd you get started in like healthcare in the first place? My dad's an educator. My dad started off as a school teacher, then became a principal, then a college professor. And we're, we're immigrants um, and coming from Iran, of course. And education is the biggest thing. And um, if you talk to most immigrants from the Middle East, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's all over the world, they'll tell you that there's only three careers you're given a choice to pick from. <laughs> Doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's it. All, all my friends that are from other countries. <laughs> a, B, or C. So, There's no D. A, B, or C. You, you have no other choice. So, uh, you know, I, uh, growing, I grew up in Michigan. Uh, my dad went to school there um, at Andrews University. And we ended up in Loma Linda University here in California. Mm-hmm. And um, going to undergrad there, uh, pre-med, um, went into radiology, x-ray and all that, got my bachelor's in biology, did my internship at White Memorial Hospital in East LA, and I learned a lot. So back then, urgent cares were popping up like crazy, back then meaning the mid 80s. Hmm. Um, And so I just applied. I applied to an uh, ad that was close to home. I used to drive from Glendale to Rancho Cucamonga before the 210 Exist. Jeez. That'd be a hard ride, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I worked 12 hour shifts. Wow. I was 21 years old. Had my bachelor's, was a pre med student, didn't know which direction I was going to go to. So, anyway, applied to an urgent care locally here in Glendale and got the job as an x ray tech. And it was just me and the doctor at first with a receptionist. So he took me under his wing and trained me sort of like a PA is today. So I ended up helping him with suturing, with sterilizing, with the x-rays, with lab work, with then got certified and started teaching CPR for him as a community service and just went through the uh, medical subspecialties that would help the urgent care to help my boss who Fast forward 35 years is now my patient, which is really cool. Wow, that's cool. That's got to be cool to kind of see yeah. that transition. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
then, uh, you know, he used to have a lot of residents coming through and uh, I, I'd be side by side with the doctors uh, in an urgent care setting. And every one of them kept telling me, man, you got to go back to school. You got to go back to school. You, you really like this stuff. You like to help people, you, you know. So, so um, uh, I, you know, I messed up my knee playing soccer, which is a very Middle Eastern sport, basically. Yep. And uh, ended up uh, somehow seeing a chiropractor in Redlands, California. Hmm. And after I saw him and everything just worked so much better versus I was given the option of going for surgery. And back then there was no arthroscopic surgery and I'm not that old, but back then <laughs> it was in the eighties, uh, there was no arthroscopic surgery quite yet. And so you had these big scars. And I was I, about to say, like, I mean, everybody that I know that had any type of surgery, let's say 85 and up, man, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty like, you know, medieval almost. Right. But the big slashes yeah, going through I, the leg and everything. Big slashes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I opted not to do that and uh, hung in there and the chiropractic care helped me so much. It really turned me on and it, it was fixing people. Yeah. But lo and behold, uh, after two years of uh, just working in the urgent care, I applied to chiropractic school, got in and then did my time with uh, chiropractic school four years later, took the boards and then here I am uh, 28 years practicing now. Yeah, I think your history and your experience probably gives you so much well-versed understandings of, of really how the body operates, right? And, yes, and, and I can imagine, I'm, I'm not a doctor, obviously, I try to play one on a straight podcast every once in a while, but, 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 but it's like, you know, being able to fully appreciate each different person's role throughout healthcare, I think is something that kind of gets blurred a little bit, yes. especially in the rehab space. Yes, we are, are kind of disagreeing. 100%, 100%. I mean, I've been blessed uh, that I, I had the opportunity to work in so many different hospitals when I was with the registry. So as a full licensed x-ray tech, you get to do angiograms, you mm -hmm. get to do C-arms, you get to do work in the ER, you know, do cross-table x-rays. So all kinds of different things. And ultrasound, we, we were even trained to do ultrasound. And we were one of the first classes to do MRIs, believe it or not. Wow. Then so I got stuck in the basement doing CTs and MRIs and I go, nah, I don't want to be, you know, I'm a social person. I like to hang out with friends and talk, but that wasn't for me either. Um, did a little bit of nuclear medicine, which is, you know, where you inject, inject the radioactive dye to detect cancer in the body. Wow. Radiation oncology did a little bit of that. Um, so yes, you're absolutely right. It, it exposed me to the allopathic side of things. Hmm. I was able to, and, and people always tell me, man, how, you're a different kind of a chiropractor. I go, well, I've had the blessing of seeing a lot of different things. And I've just, it's like a potluck. I've brought a whole bunch of different dishes to the table. And that's what my patients like about the way we practice. You haven't, you haven't worked on me yet. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have too many big major pop up, right? But, but going into your practice definitely has a different feel. Like I've brought a couple guys past and, because I think it's, it's, it's nice to just, just to really show them that this is kind of what I think of, of a complete practice and, and the warmth that's there. I think you have a great staff as well. Thank you. That really Thank tries you. to back you up. And, and you got some cool technology that we can hopefully talk about later. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but we were talking a little bit offline uh, right before we started uh, pressing a record. And obviously, this is different times. This is sure is not like what anybody else has kind of really experienced. <laughs> we don't have a lot of use cases for this. Um, and the stuff we do have is as like, as like use case is almost like a hundred years old, right? It's really, it's yes. <laughs> whenever that was a different world. 
but um, I like some of the moves that you made. Um, how do you kind of see yourself navigating this, these crazy moments and times? Do you mind kind of sharing your strategies? You know, uh, like I said earlier on, you know, we, we just roll with the punches, you know, one of the things I learned from the champ, you know, roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. You can learn this in martial arts, you know, you don't resist your offender. You go with the flow, you use their energy to defeat them. So I, I use that type of philosophy in my mind is, you know, uh, be analytical. You know, one of the things my dad taught me is think. Don't just take anything for face value, think. And so when I thought about it, um, like I was telling you earlier, before this whole, uh, every, every uh, uh, newscaster covering this thing called COVID-19, we really didn't know what was going on. Right. But I noticed that in like, towards the end of the last year, like December, January, and also in February, we're getting a lot of people that are sick, really sick. Even my own staff members with bad cough, fever and all that. To the point where one of my girls who's never called in sick in seven years, she said, I'm really sorry, man. I got this fever and I'm coughing. I told her, go see your GP, get, get that taken care of. And she stayed home. Then I started reading more and more and I'm getting all these uh, emails from MedPage that says there's this thing going on, COVID-19, there's this virus, it's really aggressive. So I sat down in the office one day and I'm thinking to myself, well, I think I've seen a few patients that actually have this and one of my employees and I've taken an oath to first do no harm. Yeah. So if I play a blind eye to it and start, you know, keep the practice going, I'm going to expose a lot of people to it. So I called up the girls and I said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to self-quarantine for 14 days. And this is before anybody had done anything. Yeah. So shut down for two weeks and uh, send emails and Instagrams and everything to patients that, hey, we're going to be out for two weeks. What was uh, that date that you guys did that? Do you, do you remember the date at all? Uh, it, was, it was a day before the White House announced that we should be closed for uh, two weeks. Okay, wow. Wow. You guys were early then. You guys were extremely yeah. early. Yeah. yeah, we, I just, you know, during your epidemiology classes and all that, and I sort of remembered some of the stuff that had gone on, like swine flu and all that. And I said, you know what, if this is going to be a pandemic, we need to, you know, do our little part and just shut down right now. So we did. And then so um, everything's fine. We're back to operational, uh, I, I'd say 50 operational right now we've taken all the measures as per CDC guidelines um, we started seeing patients last Monday Monday Wednesday Fridays is when I'm seeing patients and I'm seeing one at a time and wow. I gave the option to my staff I said it's 100% your call you can return if you want or you can stay home um, one of my staff members opted to come back she's helping me up in the front uh, my wife and I, she's also a chiropractor. We're in the back. We're seeing one patient at a time, sterilize everything, change everything, disposables, whatever we need to do to keep it safe. I think that's awesome. I mean, I mean, you, one of the, and it's really, really cool that you guys took that move first. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I won't talk to me deep politics on this podcast right now, but, but it, it is nice to see someone take a proactive stance towards something um, early. And, you know, um, but, how do you see it evolving over time? Like as far as, you know, because this is probably something that's going to be around for a little bit. How do you see private practice owners dealing with it? Because I've been asking lots of my clients, lots of friends, like, how do you guys plan to kind of navigate? Do you have any thoughts there? 
you know, uh, I have a lot of friends that are dentists. Like I was telling you earlier, I, that was the route I was going to take. Um, so I still have a lot of friends from undergrad that are dentists. And they usually get visited by OSHA. Mm -hmm. They usually have these surprise visits from inspectors and all that to make sure everything is really hygienic. Now, granted that us as chiropractors, we're a non-invasive profession, and we haven't had those types of visitations. However, this virus doesn't need to be, it's not a blood-borne virus, so it's, it's in saliva, it's in it's aerosol. Um, so I have a feeling that things are going to change. We're probably going to get a lot of visits from OSHA. Yeah. Uh, randomly to see and make sure that we're using everything to, you know, our oath, regardless of what initials you have after your name, is to first do no harm to patients. And that's it. Uh, first do no harm. And that has to be, you know, in your mind. And the second oath I've taken from my religious background is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. With you. you know? So there we are. No, no, man. I mean, and you know, it's a, it's a really different time for almost every business. There's very few businesses that aren't going to see some type of pivot in how they operate day to day. Even mm -hmm. the guys that are, you know, part of this whole uh, essential um, economy, whether it's like home delivery and everything else, like those mm -hmm. guys are slammed now where they went yeah. from a little bit of work to the whole U.S. is calling on them to kind of drop off food, groceries, yeah. whatever. And then the other businesses are being impacted where they're not even open, which is two extremes. It's like you're either in this place where you're extremely busy or you're turned off, you know? Yeah. And, and um, it's, it's, I don't think anybody knows how to play it exactly. And it's day by day and really rolling with the punches, I think is the right attitude. Exactly. You know, I, I was telling a patient of mine, you know, people, everyone's going to be the Monday morning quarterback and everyone's going <laughs> to yeah. know that. We yeah. already know that. We live in an environment where everyone's wants it. But, you know, uh, you have to realize that there was no game plan. I, I tell people, you know, if you were a coach and you took a bunch of people off the street and you threw them in the field and say, okay, go play. You have a game plan. No one knows. A, that's what I meant earlier when I said the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, you know? Yeah. The three stooges running around, you know? No one knows <laughs> what's going on. Right. And, you know, the statistics change every day. But the one thing we do know is, okay, so I still have family back overseas. I know Iran got hurt. Right. Hit bad. I know that Italy got hit really bad. And I know it's not, uh, I just told somebody this morning, I go, it's not something that's exclusive to America and between one politician and the other politician. This is a global issue. It's mm -hmm. hit the whole world. There is no conspiracy here. There's nothing. This is a virus and it's a nasty one. And we need to do what we need to do to stay protected. So um, I think it's discouraging to see after all the billions of dollars that's being spent in all these organizations at the end of the day, it's what my mom used to tell me, wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, mom was right. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time always tells the truth, right? I mean, it, you exactly. Know, it's, it's really, and you're absolutely right. And that's why it's difficult to get in uh, a fierce back and forth. I realized I didn't know what was going on when I um, was in San Francisco, never forget it, March 11th, and it was a ghost town. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on or what's happening next. And every time someone came out with a theory, give it 48 hours, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a brand new thing. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it really is a day-by-day -day process here and, and back yeah. to the basics. But, but yeah. so something that's not basic is some of the technology that you have at your place. 
Yes. I think you guys, you guys jumped on early, obviously, like if you've, if you've been using yes. our technology for about four and a half years. Um, I mean, that's, that's a pretty advanced move because people are still learning yes. about it for the first mm -hmm. time. Um, could you talk about a little bit about how you use the Pisa Wave different, different times that you found that really working good and maybe times that, did, you know, didn't work out that well for you? Well, yes. Uh, so being a chiropractor, like I said, I like to fix things. Fixing the human body has two basic aspects. One is the physiology, which is the lab tests. And we do do that. A lot of chiropractors don't take advantage of this, but you can do blood tests to see if people are deficient in their nutrients mm. in, in, in the basic elements that makes us up. So that's one aspect. Then you have the anatomy, okay? So to fix the anatomy, you have different components. You have muscles, ligaments, tendons, bones, right? To simplify things. Um, I've always been in search of tools in the toolbox. Like I said, I like to fix cars, right? Mm -hmm. In the box that will help me do my job better. So when I saw the demonstration of how the PGO wave works um, at one of the pain management conferences, it immediately clicked with me. So I do a lot of work called myofascial work. Um, Proud to say that I was one of the last classes to take courses from Dr. Janet Travell. I'm going to give her credit. She was the White House physician. Her technique calls for getting rid of these little knots in the muscle called trigger points. And her thing was about trigger points, which is a soft tissue uh, problem. Mm -hmm. when, when I was exposed to uh, the PCO wave and how it worked and how it broke down trigger points, I was just blown away. So um, it's been fantastic using that machine in my office. Now, like I always said, you know, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, right? So do I want to be the type of clinician that has people just keep coming in, the revolving door, just come, come in for treatments, let me rack them and crack them. I'm not into that. I want to fix the problem. So if you go, if you go to my website, and we've talked about this in the past, three to six treatments. I've been saying that for 28 years. Wow. I, I get that from my urgent care days when you used to swap someone's uh, throat in, on the Petri dish. And if, if the antibiotics weren't kicking in three days, change the antibiotics, you give, give them different antibiotics. So the three stuck in my head. So I tell patients three to six times, if you're not changed, I'm either referring you out, doing diagnostics, or we have to use a different modality. Your modality is one of the best tools I've had ever. And and when, when I read the description that it says it takes three to six treatments, I go, wait a minute. I, it's saying exactly what I've been saying. So it just was a perfect fit. Love that, man. And I, I mean, so, you know, I think your understanding of trigger points is really deep as well. C yeah. could, you under, could you break down for the audience a little bit of why you have that referral pain that kind of happens in different areas, even though that's not the yeah. source of the pain? Do you mind diving into it? Yeah, absolutely. So just to break it down simply, uh, uh, your body's very electric. We all know that, you know, that's why if you have issues with the muscle, they do what's, they stick these needles in to read the frequency the muscle gives, which is called an EMG, or your heart, which is cardiac muscle, an EKG. So the way muscle speaks to us is through waveforms. That's the language we understand. Trigger points are knots within the muscle that change the frequency somewhat. And what, what is caught, what, what, uh, what is the alphabet that makes this frequency is the electrolytes, electrolytes. They're positively and negatively charged. When they go in and out of a cell, they create a waveform. Mm -hmm. 
those alphabets get together, create the language, the waveform that we understand. So if it's off, then we need to take the two paddles and get the heart going, right? Right. So in, in a different kind of waveform, we're, we're putting in the good kind of waveform or to try to synchronize that, to get the body to normalize itself. So with the PZO wave, like with tendinopathies, like Achilles tendonitis, jumper's knee, lateral epicondylitis, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, all of those, it just works great. And lately, I've been getting a lot of referrals from the orthopedist with calcific tendinosis. When you take an x-ray of someone's shoulder and you've got these little calcific densities like uh, calcium buildup in the tendon, mm-hmm. it just breaks it up because I tell people it's like sonic wounds. It's bam, bam, bam. And one of the analogies I always, or one of the, uh, Examples I use for patients all the time is like, well, you know, the big brother to this machine is used in the hospital to break down kidney stones. Yeah. Extracorporeal shockwave therapy. Mm-hmm. Those same concepts, sound wave will pulverize stones. So this is a form of stone and we're using the same kind of uh, technology to break down these uh, stones. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, just like you guys tell patients, three to six treatments, man, and three to six treatments. And I get my chiropractic colleagues they go why did this person drive all the way from, i don't know 60 miles away to come see you or we have patients that fly in from las vegas sometimes and i'm like you know i i as a result of this i got into drumhead magazine and it's for drummers so these drummers come out oh, for sure yeah, yeah just all that all that yeah, yeah. and you know the, the drum motion yeah the drummers that i used to see or the musicians i used to see when mtv started okay they sort of look the same, but they're not the same physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've broken down a lot. And they've like abused their bodies. Different tune, right? <laughs> yeah. They've broken down their bodies in many different ways. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. So when, when they tell me that this is helping their career, and I've had drummers who said, you know, they had these gigs that they couldn't get, which feeds their family if they hadn't gotten this fix. And these are people that, you know, they've tried the injections, they've tried conservative care, they've tried the uh, steroids, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they've tried everything. And this works really well with them. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, thanks for really breaking down trigger points a little bit too, because they, they are tricky. And, I, and yes. I, I see um what's interesting now, especially since everyone's at home and not going into their private care as much, or mm-hmm. seeing their actual chiropractor or their PT, I mean, like people are trying to self-treat and there's a lot of videos popping up about yeah. how to self-treat. And I'm just like, man, it's more, it's a little more complex than what some of the videos are really, are really yeah. out there, you know? I mean, the self-treatments are okay, mm-hmm. but it's only addressing the mechanical component of the trigger point. Right. And a physiological component to it, which it doesn't address. And that physiological component is the alphabet soup. Hmm. So you have to get those electrolytes to do their thing to normalize, you know, you can stir the soup. Right. As long as you don't put in more ingredients to normalize it, it's the same soup stirred up. Right, right. Perfect, perfect way to sum it up. I, I love those yeah. analogies. So, so, you know, I mean, looking at kind of private practice and it's, it is a huge investment for a lot of places to, to, to buy these type of devices. And you also have other technology in there as well. Yes. Could you talk about how you pair it with other tools or other type of- um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so I have other uh, microcurrent modalities uh, and, so they have different waveforms, okay? So every modality has its own waveform. And if you understand muscle physiology uh, or, or the skeletal structure of the body well, the anatomy and physiology, you use different things for um, 
different areas of the body. So uh, we have the equiscope, we have the acuscope, the myopulse. Uh, these things are a little easier on more meaty areas. Um, I'm, I'm big on biomechanics. So, you know, I, I look at people's x-rays and MRIs and all that to see how the body's functioning and then we test them and do the physical exam and see what's not working well and why it's not working well and try to get to the bottom of that. You know, it's not always doing the adjustments or doing the manipulation. That is part of the equation, but it's not the total uh, equation. The, it, it, the body has all the myofascial components I remember during chiropractic school, one of our instructors used to say, Ray's Anatomy, page four, or chapter four, or something like that. Yeah. Put the skeletal structure together, the muscles of the body. Well, I don't really pay any attention to it. Unfortunately, back in the 80s, 90s, and whenever, insurance used to only cover, for example, Medicare till today is so antiquated. It only covers for adjustments. And so if you have student loans and if you have a practice, you have to pay your bills, that's all you do is you do adjustments to pay your bills. Right. I'm going to get a lot of heat from a lot of chiropractors that, oh, don't, don't disparage adjustments. I'm not disparaging it. I'm saying that it's in order to work up to your adjustment being the best adjustment you can do, you need to prep the patient properly. <laughs>